Ion 2020, episode 344. When somebody's the president of the United States, the authority is total. The authority is total. The authority is total. But we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Find out what is in it. In, in an empire lies, the truth is treason. The truth is treason. We must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. By the military-industrial complex. I don't know about you, but I am always dealing with these clueless people on the internet and in my daily life. And I was looking to learn how to defend libertarianism. And if you're in that same position, you want to learn how to defend libertarianism, advocate for a free market, and win any political or economic debate, then you need to join Liberty Classroom. That's Tom Wood's Liberty Classroom. And you could do that by going to iontheempire.com slash liberty. If you do that, you'll be able to earn the equivalent of a PhD in libertarian thought and free market economics online for just 24 cents a day. That's amazing. Once again, go to iontheempire.com slash liberty. What's up, everybody? Ray Ian here, your host of Ion2020. Appreciate you joining me for looking at this 2020 election 2020 world that we are living in today. Uh, this was the libertarian look at the 2020 election. Now it is the libertarian look at all things going on in the world in 2020. Maybe the 2020s. I'm not sure how I'm going to approach the the next uh, 344 episodes, but or how I'm going to if I'm going to change the name or not. I've been kind of tinkering around with that idea and stuff. But uh, I appreciate those that continue to come out and listen to the show every single Monday and Thursday when we're putting this show out. Uh, listenership has doubled, so I appreciate you that you've been uh, sharing it with your friends and stuff like that. I'm really enjoying what we're doing uh, here. I Hopefully, we're able to create some sort of movement that kind of gets people thinking in a direction that says these two parties are a little bit insane that we have to deal with You know, when we're going to the voting box and we don't really have that many choices, you know? Um, that's what libertarians are all about. We want to make sure that people have a third option. We want to make sure people have an option that actually focuses on liberty. Because if you really think about these two parties that we have, they are not the the liberty party at all. These are the, you know, make the, make the state larger parties. These are the increased government's control of your lives party. These are the, you know, add more wars to the world parties. These are the more welfare state parties, whether it's corporate welfare or uh, individual welfare, or whether it's giving more to the lobbyists. That's what they're all about. They have a control on our federal government that is a stranglehold, and there's no getting around it. There really isn't. These two parties have basically figured out how to control the entire voting system that we live in. And just think about this, guys. These are corporations, essentially, that are running the entire government, and they are just fighting for control of the government constantly. And that's what they've been doing for the last 
you know, 170 years or so. Actually, since the founding of the nation, I know that George Washington was not a party guy, but as soon as he came out after his eight years, uh, it started to be, they started having the Whig Party and the Democrat Party, the Republican Party, and so forth. They had the, I mean, they had a bunch of different parties that throughout history, but, you know, over since, since basically Abraham Lincoln, you've had the Republican Party and the Democrat Party that controlled the entire system of government that we live under. They have created rules and regulations that don't allow a third party to really have any say. They make it the they make it so that those third parties have so many hoops to jump through in order to get onto even the ballots. They have made it so that when you're going to vote for a president, you have two choices and that's it. And that's the perception. That's the way the, I mean, the entire system is built around this two-party system that we live under. And it's basically a one-party system. It's two sides of the same coin. They both are for increasing more and more control over your lives. They're both trying to take as much money out of your pocket as they can in different ways. If you ever look at, even with the Trump tax cuts, for example, maybe Trump wanted to give some sort of tax cut overall, but his tax cuts were had to be revenue neutral. So there was, there was trade-offs here and trade-offs there for different interest groups and so forth in order to make sure that this thing stayed revenue neutral in some way. Now, the Democrats will say, oh, it was, tax, it was tax cuts for the rich, and look at the poor, they didn't get anything. But then, if you look at the poor, they did get something out of it, but there was other people that didn't. You know, there was some, the one, the, who, whoever won, someone else came at the expense as a loser. For example, if you are at a, in a state that, at one point, you can deduct your state income tax, and now you're now now you were not allowed not allowed to deduct your state income tax. So if you're in Connecticut, if you're in Massachusetts, if you're in California, if you're in New York, New Jersey, places that have a high state income tax, even South Carolina has a high state income tax where I live, North Carolina, and so forth, then you couldn't deduct that state income tax on your on your tax form. So you're double dipping, you're double paying essentially. So somewhere somebody ended up paying a little bit more. And they say on average, the average median household got a $3,000 or $4,000 tax cut, but it came from somewhere. And these people, they're just trying to make sure that they control the trillions of dollars. That's all it really comes down to. There's, I've said this on the show you know, several times. You have three and a half, four trillion dollar budget that the Fed, or I think it's four and a half trillion dollars that the budget that's in the budget every single year that's being spent, and you have three and a half trillion dollars that's being taken in. So everyone's trying to get their tax cut or their tax break or their tax loophole in there so they don't have to pay part of that three and a half trillion. And then, so then you have govern, government bureaucrats, you have elected officials that are sitting there trying to figure out ways to give some loophole to their guy and their donor and their lobbyist. So then you have the money on that side, that three and a half trillion. Then you have also the people that are being borrowed from. So you're going to sit there and have, you know, two or three trillion dollars a year borrowed as well. I think it's like usually it's about one trillion dollars. But this year it's been more like, you know, four or five trillion dollars that was borrowed. So that money has to go somewhere as well. So they have people that are trying to fight to get that money. So you have the lobbyists up there trying to make sure that they get their money. And you have the politicians that are taking the bribes and the payouts and the 
you know, the dinners out and the, the vacations and all that crap so that they can make sure that they get their favorite lobbyist, their little piece of that pie. And then you also have four and a half trillion dollars being spent every single year, year in and year out. And every company, every individual, every entity has their hand at the trough trying to figure out how they're going to get that part of that four and a half trillion dollars, but not just part of that four and a half trillion dollars, but part of the 40 trillion dollars we spent over the next 10 years, plus the increases in that spending as well. So they're all just trying to figure out how to control that system that we have, which is the two parties have figured this thing out, guys. They really have. And you and I, we're the loser on it. The libertarians, we're, I mean, you and I in general, if, and I'm talking to Joe Public here, Joe Public is the loser on this thing because we don't have the numbers to sit there and send lobbyists to Washington, but the corporations do. We don't have the numbers to send people to Washington, but AARP does. We don't have the numbers to send to Washington, but every single lobbying firm that's out there, whether it's for a individual, a corporation, a group of individuals, or an association or whatever, they have their thing. So it's basically, we have to sit here as a group of people and find our group to become a member of so that we can get somebody's voice going. So then you get the people that are for the second amendment, but then you got the corporations that are for, you know, small businesses. You got the small business administration up there trying to get their piece of the pie as well. You got the realtors association there trying to get their piece of the pie. You got the hair and hairdressers association, I'm sure is up there somewhere trying to get their piece of the pie as well. And everyone's fighting for a piece of this pie. And the politicians are happy to oblige. They really are. That's all they're willing to do is oblige. So this two-party system that we have, they have figured out how to control this system and they've built up walls and barriers to protect themselves so that they don't have to worry when it comes to election day about some libertarian person getting the votes. And they've done it from the federal government down to the state governments, into the local governments, down to the dog catcher. I mean, the coroner in my town the person that buries people, that, that, not, that, not that buries people, but the person that basically when someone dies, they come in there and tell you how they died, I would imagine. The person that runs the coroner's office, the coroner, is an elected official. Like to me, that doesn't even make sense, but you have to be a Republican or a Democrat to get that job, I guess. And I was thinking to myself, I mean, it's just insane how entrenched these two parties have gotten. Now, this gets into kind of what I want to talk about today, is that you get someone like Donald Trump into office, right? He is a a lightning rod to the people because he's being listened, like he is speaking their language in a lot of ways, right? He was, especially in 2016. Donald Trump is a symptom of a problem, sorry, not a symptom of a problem, I, I don't want to say it like that, he... If there was a problem in 2014, 2015, 2016, there was already division going on. And he got all these votes. And I heard someone say it the other day, how racist, and you hear it all the time, how racist anyone that could vote for Donald Trump is, how ignorant anyone that can vote for Donald Trump is, how stupid they are, how uneducated they are. But he got 62 million votes in 2016, 
he got 71, maybe 72 million votes in 2020. Are you meaning to tell me that that's the... That's the best somebody could come up with is saying that it's a bunch of stupid, ignorant, racist homophobes that voted for him? Or can you say that there is a problem out there that people agree with that says that it's not it's not Joe Biden, it's not Hillary Clinton, it's the system. People that voted for Donald Trump voted against that system because they felt like he was on the outside of that system, that two-party system. They felt, I mean, he was, he was essentially a third-party guy that gets in there and gets and runs as a Republican and wins. It's all he was. So these people, I mean, what, what you're looking at is these people are voting not because Donald Trump is some sort of racist that they're all falling, you know, that they're all falling for, it's not that he's saying the right words to all the white supremacists because there's not that many white supremacists out there in this world. No, he's speaking to people who are sick and tired of the two-party system, and that's it. He's, they're sick of the two-party system. They wanted somebody that's going to drain the swamp. They wanted somebody that was going to talk about bringing the troops home. They wanted somebody who... Talked about lowering taxes. That talked about things like bringing American jobs back home. That's a populist message. Higher tariffs on China. That's a populist message. Being a powerful nation. That's a populist message. Like Those are things that the people listen to and they say, wow, that's what we want. We want to make America great again. We want to harken back to the days when America was great. I don't know when that specific time was. But everyone has a different vision of what that means to them, right? So that's why you're going to get 62 million people and 72 million people that are going to vote for Donald Trump in 2016 and 27. It's not because it's just a bunch of racist, homophobe bigots who want to kill all the, or want to take out all the, all the Antifa people or something like that, or want to have all the cops kill black people or something like that. Like, that's not the case. But it's a complete lazy thing to say that. But we have a real problem in America. We really do. And it is the two parties. Basically, you have the war party. And that's what I wanted to talk about today, was the fact that we are now in a situation where the war party... Is going to be back in power. The war party. And what do I mean by that? Literally, the entire George Bush establishment, Dick Cheney, George Bush himself, uh, John McCain, but now that now he's gone, his wife, I think Liz Cheney is Dick Cheney's daughter. Like the entire establishment Republican Party, the people that are outside or that are sorry, inside the swamp, those people are all for Joe Biden. This is the neoconservative movement of the 2000s that started the war in Afghanistan and then again, under false pretenses, started the war in Iraq. These people are all about them some Joe Biden. They are. They, they are sitting there just so happy that Joe Biden is back in power. 
or that is going to be in power. Sorry. They are so happy that Donald Trump is going to be gone. And Donald Trump has spoken about pulling out of the wars since before he was elected. I think it was even before he ran, he was against the war in Iraq, but he's always said it. We need to get out of Afghanistan. We need to get out of Iraq. It's about time we get our boys home. We don't need to be starting any new wars. He was generally against the foreign policy that says that America needs to be the policeman of the world. He was against, he's generally against that. And I don't know if that's just the, what he was talking about or what he was saying, but the actions that he had the other day, which is to say, we're going to bring the troop level from 5,000 down to 2,500 in Iraq by January 15th, and we're going to bring it down to 2,500 in Afghanistan by January 15th as well. By him saying that, it just tells me that in his mind, he is wanting to end these wars. So that's not just him saying it because it's going to garner some votes. He's saying it because he generally wants to get rid of these wars. He wants to end these wars. He didn't want to have a long-term foothold in Syria. So when they went in there to defeat ISIS, he wanted to pull out. Like those are things that he did in order to make sure that, or that, that he's doing now, I guess, in order to make sure that the next predecessor or the person that precedes him, Joe Biden, does not have the ability to put more people in. But you know what? Joe Biden is going to put more people in. These people have a policy on the the neoconservative movement, or I don't know how you would say it other than the war party is back in charge. The war party is back in charge. You have Joe Biden who voted for Iraq, voted for Afghanistan, voted for Syria. He was part of the whole thing starting with Yemen back in the day when under with under um under Barack Obama they are the ones that were okay with Libya all this stuff all of the status quo crap with this war party these people are for it and i don't even i mean i don't even know what to say except for the fact that we're going to be keeping an eye on this stuff going forward on eye on 2020 i can tell you that we are going to be keeping an eye on this because we at, at we at eye on the empire are as anti-war as we can possibly be. I do not want to see a soldier die overseas defending the idea that we just need a policeman in the world. That's not a good enough reason to send somebody over to die. That is not a good enough reason. There are countries that hate us. That's true. How much of that is because we're over there? I mean, I would expect somebody in Afghanistan that had their son or their daughter or their friends that died on, in a bombing be pissed off. If, if somebody, if some other country was in control in your city and they had troops that would go out there and just go around and just make sure everything's secure, you would be looking at those people like... We just need those people the hell out of here. That's all you'd be thinking. The only reason why you wouldn't is because you might get shot if you get out of line. That's the only reason why. If America had any other troops on our soil, we would be, I mean, they wouldn't be able to survive that long because we would pull out our guns and start shooting them immediately. Like there would be no way 
And we'd be looked at the ter- as the terrorists because in, uh, in the world's view, we defending our home country, we look at it as the terrorists. And that's a fact. But these people, that uh, uh, there, there's generally some pretty good reason why they would not like us. And it's just, it's called the blow, it's the blowback effect. It's the, what Ron Paul talked about in 2008. It was in a book in 1998 when they wrote about it. It was a CIA talked about it. And they said that they're expecting blowback from America's intervention in the Middle East. Because for every one person who dies in any sort of bombing, that person has, you know, 10 brothers, four sisters, a son, an uncle, a cousins, all kinds of people that extend out. And at, if, if 10% of the 100 people that they knew become anti-American, then you have 10 more people that spring up. And they know this stuff. That is not good for our troops. They need to come home. They really do. I mean, it, it devastates me when I see people that I know that end up having to go overseas. It's just, it's, it terrifies me. I, I, I think about them constantly because I know a lot of people that do. And it, it just, it kills me when I see that. I mean, I, 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 I feel bad for their family that they cannot be at home with them. And then when they come home, they just seem a little bit different. They seem a little bit off. That saddens me. It really does. It, it, it's, it's something that we should not be doing is sending these guys over to these places. And I, I know it's not been that hot over in Afghanistan or in Iraq for too long or in Syria in recent memory, but there's still stuff going on over there. It's still dangerous to be there. It can heat up in a split second. So I'm glad that Donald Trump is saying, let's bring the troops home. Let's, let's bring most of them home and leave just 2,500 over there. 2,500 is too many, but at least you're doing something. And I can almost guarantee you that Joe Biden's going to put more troops back in as soon as he gets in the office. I can I could almost guarantee it. And that's going to that's gonna be... Uh, we're we're going to keep an eye on that stuff as well. Because if you listen to MSNBC, CNN, these are, these are left-wing media. The left... Is traditionally the people that are anti-war, right? They're the ones that are anti-war, but you've not heard the anti-war movement. And this is what makes me sick. Under George W. Bush, the anti-war movement was huge. It was strong, left-wing, libertarian, even some people on the right. Anti-war, not wanting to have intervention overseas. Bring the troops home. Let's end this thing in Afghanistan. We got our guy. Well, that wasn't under Bush, sorry, but... You know, get get Bin Laden and get home. You know what I mean? Like that was that we we're not a nation building country. And under George Bush, there was a lot of people that were anti war. There was a huge anti war movement until two thousand nine. Then Barack Obama gets into office and he's promising that he's gonna end the war in Afghanistan, end the war in Iraq, we're gonna bring these boys home. It's not okay that we're over there. Eight years of Barack Obama, the torture still happened in Guantanamo. They never closed Guantanamo Bay. They never closed it like he said he was going to. 
Never. He had he pulled some troops back, but then they had a surge. Then they added Syria into the mix. Then they added Libya into the mix. Then they added Yemen into the mix. More wars, more bombings, more drone bombings, more of this stuff. More and more and more. And you wonder, what happened to that good old Barack Obama who wanted to end the wars, right? But the anti-war movement was gone, guys. 2008 to 2016, it was gone. And then I remember Donald Trump gets into office preaching a slight anti-war message. And I was thinking, well, he's a Republican, so the Democrats, those anti-war liberals, you saw those posts, those memes, whatever, in 2016, 2017, here comes the resurgence of the anti-war movement. Nope, it did not happen at all. No resurgence of the left-wing anti-war movement at all. Four years later, we're still listening, trying to figure out where on earth is this anti-war movement, but they could not be for or against, sorry, they could not be against war. And the reason why is because Donald Trump just kept on making mention of trying to bring the troops home from Syria, Afghanistan, Iraq. And every single time, CNN, MSNBC, left-wing media, or the mainstream media, I guess you'll call it, praised him when he bombed Syria. Gave him hell when he talked about coming home. When bringing troops up every single time, no matter what. And then this article I found, and I knew about this at the time as well, but there was a gentleman by the name of James Franklin Jeffrey, a foreign services hack who signed a scathing never Trump letter in 2016. He became somebody who he was the special representative for Syria engagement for Trump. And when he left office, when he left his post, he said this about Syria. He said that whenever Donald Trump wanted to leave, they lied about the number of troops that they left there in order to appease Donald Trump, but they kept more in there. Donald Trump wanted to leave and they did not go along with his order. They lied about the number of people that they were keeping, the number of troops that they were keeping in in Syria. And the press didn't even give a crap. They were like, well, it's Donald Trump, you know. I mean, he can't be trusted with troop decisions anyway. But we elect the the, the president to be the commander-in-chief in this nation. We do. And if they're going to sit there and not follow his orders, what precedent does that set for the next president? Who's in control? Who's in charge? The generals? The bureaucrats? That's a bad place to be in. You know what I mean? What does that say about Afghanistan? Are there really going to be 2,500 troops in there on January 15th? Are those boys really going to be coming home? Or are they just going to move them just across the border in Pakistan until the 20th when Joe Biden orders them back in? And maybe even have a few more troops over there too. I mean, what does that say? If the generals, if the people that are in charge of the bureaucracy are not listening to the person elected by the people to pull back on those wars. And every single time Donald Trump tried to do anything, he was undermined not only by his own people, but by John Bolton, by the press, 
by the left-wing media who is supposed to be anti-war <laughs> or the mainstream media, I guess. I don't know if they're supposed to be anti-war, but typically, typically, the left is anti-war and it did not happen. And that just blows my mind that it never happens. So, Joe Biden, here he is, right? He is the savior of the world for anyone that hates Donald Trump. And nobody gives a crap about the wars. As a matter of fact, they want to increase the wars. That is one-third of the budget as well, come to think of it. And we're talking about how bad America is. How terribly racist America is. How we need to, you know, end systemic violence and all this systemic racism and all this stuff. And I was thinking about this the other day on top of that. This is just thinking out loud at this point. Because we're talking about Joe Biden administration. If America, if America was so terribly bad and so terribly racist and so sexist and hates immigrants and all this stuff, about 15% of the population in America is an immigrant. We have like 45 million people who immigrated here from elsewhere. Those are people who made a conscious decision to apply to come live in America from a place that obviously wasn't as good as America. Traditionally, in America, 15% of Americans were born somewhere else from about the mid-1800s on. It went down to a low in 1970 of about like 3 or 4%. But now it's back up to around 16% of people in America were born elsewhere. These are people that, despite the fact that the vast majority of them probably have brown skin, Half of them are probably women. Half of them are probably poor, maybe even more than that. They come over here with very little, maybe an education, or maybe just a dream. And they come over here, and what do they do? They fight like hell to make it. That's what they do. They fight like hell to make it. On average, the average person from Sudan who comes to America or Nigeria that comes to America makes as much, if not more than the average white person in America and China, the average Chinese or Asian American immigrant will make about 20% more than the average white person in America. Like those are amazing statistics that say That these people did not look at the fact that America is a racist place or a sexist place or a bigoted place. They didn't care about the KKK or the NRA or whatever other organization that the left want to call racist and bigoted. They didn't look at the fact that there are 70 million people that are supposedly racist that voted for Donald Trump. They just came here and made it and became successful. That's what they did. That's all they did. They put their mind to it and they made it happen. That just... Everybody in America can do the same damn thing if they want to, with no help from the government whatsoever. All they had was 
the shirt on their back or the, the, the few items that they brought over from whatever country they're at in a dream. And they drove a taxi and they made it happen. Or whatever, the, whatever they did. They made it happen. Talk to some of these people when you're, when you're out and about. These people do not look at the negatives of society. They look at the positives of the society that they came from. Because you know what? They look at the place where they came from and it is not. There is no opportunity for them there. That's why they left. How hard would it be for you to leave your country that you're in with all your family and your friends and go somewhere else? It would be, for me, I would never do it. But these people make those decisions to do it. It would be very hard for me to make that decision. To leave America to go somewhere else. But we have it good in America. We have it great in America. But these people, 45, like 45 million people made a decision to come here. To this racist, bigoted, homophobic, sexist country. But that's not what we are, guys. We're a, we're a people who accept people. We're a people that want freedom. We want individual responsibility. But there's that few people, that, that few, that small minority of people who are the loud leftists that say how terrible of a country this is. But don't believe it. Don't believe it. Don't believe it. So anyway, that's all I got for you guys today. Uh, this is your libertarian look at all things that are going on in the world. This is Ion2020. I appreciate you joining me. Uh, go ahead, if you can, give me a five-star rating review. Go ahead also and uh, follow me on Facebook and on Twitter. And now if you type in Ion the Empire on Parler, you'll be able to find me there as well so you can follow the show. I'm going to start posting quite a bit on Parler. Uh, but anyway, guys, I appreciate you joining me. And uh, go ahead and come on back on Monday so you can have clear vision for 2020.